Brilliant. Good, good morning. As you grab your seats, keep your Bibles open in Luke chapter 12. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I'll say a quick prayer before we start, um, and then we'll dive into what God has to tell us from these words. Loving Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would be with us. We pray that you would speak to us through your word, that we would leave here changed with our hearts, emboldened by the truth that we know of what Jesus has done for us. Let our hearts be warmed as we do that. Take away any words that I say that are unhelpful or not from your word, and may you speak to us directly. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. But So keep your Bibles open in Luke chapter 12 while I open my Bible in Luke chapter 12. It's nice to kind of be here in this Part of me wants to stay quiet for half an hour with all the kids gone. It's quite nice just to be here and just relax a wee bit. But we'll see what Luke has to teach us. And we're going to do it just in a way of kind of thinking for Robbie and Fee what they promised and hope for Lucy. What we as Christians believe to be true and sometimes just need reminded of that. And my question for that is this. Where do we find our worth? What is it we find our worth in as Christians? The title of my talk is Don't Wear a Mask and Enjoy It. This has nothing to do with COVID. I was told after I made the slideshow by my wife that this might be interpreted as something to do with COVID. It has nothing to do with that. But it's from verse 2 of these words. But where is it we find our worth? Where do we look for accolades? Where do we look for markers of success? Whether that be just in the world around us or before God, what is it that we find our worth in? Is that in our jobs where we kind of can say we do this job? We, we, we're, we're British, we're really good at kind of not saying it explicitly, but we might have a little smile as we tell someone what we do or the postcode of the house that we live in. I mean, we live in AH13, AH14, it's a good place to live. We might be quite proud and happy of that. Is that where we find our worth? To quote, if you've ever watched The Office US, Michael Scott says, I love it when people give me presents because it's saying, hey man, I love you this many dollars. That's how much you're worth to me. I love it. But one of the ones I think that is probably most prevalent in our world today is in our image. What people think of us. And that's kind of been hyperdrived by social media, though I think it was probably there beforehand. And social media is this really weird thing. It's a wonderful thing. There's nothing bad about it inherently. But if you imagine what it's like, it's like a park in the middle of our gardens. And all the people we know and love have their gardens backing onto this park. And we make up the back of our gardens to look good. We might have lovely flowers. We might have designed the bushes in a certain way so people can see it. And we poke through, looking through our one, looking at everyone else and seeing what they display of their life. And then we look back in our house and think, my goodness, that's a mess. We portray this image, and sometimes we put our worth in what people think of us in that image, but we know that we're broken deep down inside. I've got a quote from an Atlantic article that I'm going to put up here. It's a guy called Derek Thompson, and it's the, the article is, Why American Teens Are So Sad. And the reason for it, he says, is this social media places in every teen's pocket a quantified battle royale for scarce popularity that can displace hours of sleep and makes many teens feel worse about their body and their life. 
amplify these existing trends with the global pandemic and the unprecedented period of social isolation, and suddenly the remarkable rise of teenage sadness doesn't feel at all a mystery, does it? And he puts in so much better words than I can say what social media does to us when we put our foundational worth on our image, it's detrimental. So as Robbie and Fee bring up Lucy and as all of us bring up our kids and as we live in this world, we see that image can't be where we put our worth. But where is it? And what Jesus teaches us today is that doing that is not only unhelpful, it is, it's actually less freeing. And what Jesus tells of where we find our worth is more freeing. There is more joy in it. And it's because the God who knows exactly what we're like knows what our house behind that back garden is like, loves us still and knows us intimately and still sent his son to die for us. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And the way I'm going to kind of break it up and the passage breaks up is two questions and a so. So it's why, and that's verses one to three, then a why in verses four to eight, and then a a so, kind of the outworking of that in the latter half of the verses. But my big headline is, don't wear a mask and enjoy it. And if you have your Bibles, look at verse 1. This is where it comes from. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that were there trampling one another, he began, that is Jesus, to say to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the word hypocrisy, we know we know hypocritical people, people who say one thing and do another. The word, the kind of root of it, comes from this mask wearing, looking better than we are on the outside when internally we're not. With the Pharisees, it was people who were religious and righteous and wore loads of things so that externally they looked really good. But what Jesus said last week in the passage is they're like, they're like dirty pots on the inside. They're clean on the outside, but on the inside, they're dirty and rotten. So it's the, the freedom that Jesus gives us is don't wear a mask. And just like we'll all know from lockdown, yeast kind of sits in, leaven sits in bread. And bad leaven makes bread go bad. We don't notice it until the end, but it just sits there, this tiny little thing, And it grows and grows and grows and destroys the whole loaf of bread. So what he's saying is, don't wear a mask, not even a tiny little bit. And the tone of what Jesus says is the enjoyment part of it. It is a good thing for us to be like this. So don't wear a mask and enjoy it. So let's look at the first one, verses 1 to 3. Why do we not wear a mask, does Jesus tell us? Because in the end, nothing will be hidden. See how it says this, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden, that what will not be known. Whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. What you've whispered in private rooms will be proclaimed in rooftops. Nothing will be hidden. And don't we know that in the world today, kind of scandal after scandal is revealed of things that were hidden that are no longer hidden. Politicians let us down more and more than we could ever have imagined. Institutions that we've had like football teams or social clubs where adults were meant to protect in hidden ways they didn't, and it's revealed. Or people who have died that we've loved, or that were famous in the past, truths come out after they have died. And so we know that nothing is hidden forever. 
But it's more than that. For us, we know that the things that we do in the dark will one day be revealed. Or the things that we've said in confidence to someone about someone else, we're always worried will be revealed. And what Jesus is saying is ultimately, all of these things will be revealed. Nothing is hidden that will not be known. There will be one day where we stand before a God who knows us intimately, knows the hairs on our head, and all the things that we think are hidden will be revealed. And so that's it. Why? Why do we not wear a mask? Because ultimately God is going to see and know that, and it's freeing. And it's freeing because God knows every single scandal. God knows everything we've whispered in a quiet room. God knows every message we've sent about someone else. Everything we've done that not even our children or our husbands and wives know. And he loves us still. He knows us that well. And he still loves us. It's freeing to not wear a mask. To try to be something else. To try to look good in front of God or other people. Because the God who knows every single part of us still loves us. Nothing is hidden from God. So don't wear a mask. And this is, it might sound just kind of like a throwaway thing to say. But we know it's true in life. The, the relationships that we are most vulnerable in where our husbands or wives know most about us, our oldest friends who know our worst stories from when we were younger, our family who have seen our biggest flaws are the people that we have the closest relationships with. And there's a freedom in that. And what Jesus is saying is God knows all of these things about us and he still loves us and he still knows us. So nothing is hidden before God. And it's freeing. And the second one, this is quick. We're just going to run through them. Verses 4 to 8. Don't wear a mask and enjoy it. Why? Because we are valued. Let me just read verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Again, this is kind of quite stark language, but thinking of that kind of social media image or the image that we portray, what is scarier? What people think about us or about our creator and maker thinks of us? Who are we to fear when we do things, when in an instance we can lose it all? What is the point in building up worth in things, in money, in job, in how people perceive us? And this is what Robbie and Phil want to be true of Lucy as the teacher about life and all these things. That you can do well in school, you can get a good job, you can do all these different things. But it can vanish. It can vanish in an instance. So do not fear what people think about us. But fear God. And it's a foundational truth because money and wealth and jobs and what people think about us is, is, is not a bad thing inherently. But having the foundational truth that the God who knows and loves us intimately still loves us means that we can enjoy our jobs, means we can enjoy our work, means we can do well in school and do all these things. 
were valued. And the way he kind of says it is in the second half of these verses, verses five, eh, verses 6 and 7, he says two examples. He says, think of the birds, think of these tiny little creatures. Even as I was sitting thinking about this, I sat there and there was these birds chirping away. And there's birds always chirping away that you never see, but you hear all the time. And God sustains and keeps them going. We don't look for them. It's not eagles he's talking about. He's talking about sparrows. God sustains them in the cycle of this world. And he knows us more. He gives a second example. Why even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Now for some of us, that is easier than for others. But the God of the universe... And I say that as a man who is balding, but at six foot five, you can't see that that well, so it's all right. The God of the universe, who knows the number of hairs on our head, how much more worth are we to him than little sparrows that he sustains? He knows us intimately. We're valued by God, and he loves us, despite what he knows about us, about what we do in a dark night, about what we say about people, about what we've done in the past that nobody else knows about. He knows all of these things, and yet he still sent his son for us. So don't fear man, but fear God. Worship God. Where do we find our worth is not in ourselves, but it's in the God who knows every part of us and still loves us. And we're to enjoy this freedom. And then the third part is the so. The way kind of Luke works, he kind of gives examples of why you should do it and why you should do it. And it's positive examples. It sounds harsh when you read through it, but actually it's positive. He's saying, I know you and I love you. I know every part of you. And so the outworking of this for us, and we hope and pray for Lucy in the end, is that we will stand up for him the God who knows us and loves us. Unlike the the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the guys who were really religious externally, but on the inside were broken. We are known and are broken on the inside and God knows us and loves us internally. And so we go out and tell people about this. We have confidence in what we do. Let me just read the verses again. Verse eight says this, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Why do we take off our masks? Because we're valued. Why do we take our masks? Because we're intimately known. We can rip it off in freedom. And what does it mean? Is we stand up and openly proclaim. That doesn't mean that all of us have a go and kind of have a go at preaching or go out in street corners and do that, but it's openly proclaim to the people around us who we know and love because our worth is not in our image. Our worth is knowing that the God of the universe knows and loves us. So we don't care about what people think about us in the same way. We're willing to stand up and be counted. Two two stories. One for me is personally when I became a Christian, the moment that I kind of really meant it was when I was willing to say I care less about what people think and more about what God thinks. That was 17, 18, and there's loads of things I've learned since then. But it was just saying, and it's not been easy either, that's not been hard, it's a constant reminder. But it's saying I care less about what the world thinks. I fear not 
people around me. But I fear the God of the universe who knows and loves me. And the second part for Robbie and Fee is the promises they made today is that one day you pray that Lucy will be willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. Willing to, at the cost of her popularity, won't be the most popular in school, or the cost of her grades, or the cost of worth and image, be willing to self-sacrifice that and stand up and proclaim Jesus as our saviour. And sometimes it comes at the cost, not always. That's a massive promise for, for these guys and for everyone who has children that have made promises for them to grow up and be Christians. Being willing that their kids will be disliked for their faith. That's massive. Verse 10, just kind of just to explain it, it's a really weird one. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. It's contentious, kind of, do we think maybe I've blasphemed and I'm never going to be forgiven? I think, and it's just, this is kind of, we can chat about this later if you want. I think the simplest answer to this is that, the, the, that everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven is people who speak against Jesus and his earthly ministry. So people who threw stones at him, or not throw stones, who, who nailed him to a tree, who spoke insults at him, were still able to be forgiven. And we see that in the Bible. There's people like Paul. There's a soldier who nailed him to a tree. He says, surely this was the son of man. These people can be forgiven. But it's the people who continually reject the Holy Spirit, reject God and say, I don't want any of that, will not be forgiven. The unforgivable sin is to not trust and believe in Jesus. That is what it is saying. I think that's what it says. And so the question of where do we find our worth? Do we find it in our image? Do we find it in our jobs? We don't. We rip off our masks. We freely know that the God of the universe knows and loves us, despite what we're like, even at our very, very worst. Do you know that Jesus didn't die for us as we sat in church all dressed up well? He died for us knowing the depths of our sin, knowing how far we'd gone against him. Knowing every single part of us, nothing hidden, nothing covered up. What we whispered in the dark, whispered in private rooms, God knew that, still loves us and knows us. And the hope and the point of all this is so that we go out and tell other people about that. That we proclaim him before men. And it's done with this positive kind of tone and it, the final verses are this. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And it's the idea that you're not going alone. Stand up and proclaim, knowing that God doesn't just leave us to do it on our own. But when we are before people, speaking in our offices, speaking on street corners, whether we're about to be persecuted and killed, the Holy Spirit will help us in those moments. He's trying to encourage us in this. God knows us. We're valued by him. So stand up and proclaim this to the world. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we pray, thanking you for your word. 
We thank you that you know us so intimately. You know every single part of us. And you didn't abandon us. You know the hairs on our head. You value us. Not because of who we are and what we've done. In spite of that. We pray, Lord God, that we would be able to boldly proclaim and stand before you one day. We pray we boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus. And as we've made promises this morning, we pray that Lucy will one day, and all of our kids here, will be willing to rip off the mask, to care less about their image or how they are viewed, to care less about the things of this world and fear and worship our creator, our sustainer, our maker. We pray that we be able to proclaim him to the rooftops. Praise in your name. Amen.